You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello and welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast, your trusted source for all things San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Floor. Joining me as always on this beautiful Monday night. I guess I'm in California and he's in Colorado, technically. No, actually, uh, I'm in Calgary. <laughs> or sorry, Calgary. I'm different. If scene. I was in Colorado, we'd have a major problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're just visiting. Joining me from Calgary, I was wondering why you said customs. I was like, customs in Colorado? What the <laughs> fuck is he doing? <laughs> but that makes so much more sense now. Shang, editor-in-chief of San Jose Hockey Now and my co-host. Shang, how you doing, man? It's been a very uh, busy day. Uh, I actually was in Colorado. Uh, my uh, flight from San Jose landed in Denver, and then I had uh, 40 minutes to get to my connecting flight to Calgary, and so I had to run, uh, and I did make it. And now I am in Calgary and I am hungry. Um, I was going <laughs> to order from Hayden Smoke Barbecue and they told me uh, on the phone that I could order uh, off of DoorDash uh, uh, until midnight. Uh, but then I went online and uh, I tried to go to DoorDash and order from Hayden Smoke. And then they, on, on the line, it says that orders are, are stop at 1055 Mountain Time. And of course, uh, it is. Uh, past he, that. Uh, it is past that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, 11.42 Mountain Time right now, but they lied to me. And so I am hungry and, and upset. Uh, I am well, hangry. <laughs> maybe Uber Eats or something else can help uh, curb your hunger there. Or you can always call... Well, I don't uh, know, yeah. You can call Byron Bader help. from Hockey open, Prospecting. Or hour or whenever, but yeah. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll make do. I just had a bag of uh, uh, airplane pretzels, guys. So that's going to power through... Uh, power me through this. So. <laughs> you hear that airplane pretzels sponsor us. Yeah, <laughs> San Jose Hockey Now podcast oh, powered by air, airplane pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shang, we're doing an early episode and I think everyone understands why the trade deadline was today. Boy, was it a fun one. The fax machine at the central registry was down. Everyone was on hold for hours on end. There was a crazy trade between Vegas and Anaheim that is under investigation right now because uh, what, I mean, we'll get into it later. It's a question that gets asked in this mailbag, and that's exactly well, not what really this... get into it because what do I know about what's going on there? But we'll yeah, try. Well, it's, we'll just say what's happening, I guess, or, or not. We'll see. But on this week's episode, we're going to recap the Sharks' uh, moves, essentially, for the 2022 NHL trade deadline today or yesterday, if you're listening to this on Tuesday. Uh, then we're going to bust open the mailbag and answer any and all questions that we have from Twitter. And of course, if you're not following us on Twitter, you didn't know that we had this mailbag going on. So make sure that you go over to Twitter, look up Twitter handle SJHockeyNowPod, shoot us a follow. Make sure you're following the network as well if you love other teams. You know, a lot of people out there can't just stand to watch the Sharks suck, so they like watching other teams. We have... Coverage from every single hockey team on the network. So at HockeyPodNet, 
of course, if you want to follow my dumbass, go ahead and follow me at Nick Floor underscore. And Shang is at Shang underscore Peng. So let's just hop right into it. I'm going to give a quick recap. Shang's going to continue eating pretzels or at least trying to get them out of his teeth because we all know that feeling. We've all been there before. So <laughs> we're going to go um, pretty much in order here from what I'm seeing. So the big trade that happened, we're just going to start off with the big one, was the trade between the Sharks and the Minnesota Wild. Uh, the Sharks traded Jake Middleton, defenseman Jake Middleton, uh, to Minnesota and acquired goaltender Capo Kakinen. And the fifth round pick that they actually traded to acquire Devin Dubnik last yes. season, which was kind of funny. So it all comes full circle in one way or another. <laughs> uh, next trade, we have a simple minor league trade. Uh, Nick Merkley, RIP, Merkley Brothers, uh, was traded to the New York Rangers uh, for Anthony Batetto. It's a, like I said, AHL trade. Uh, then Andrew Cogliano was traded over to the Colorado Avalanche with 50% salary retention. For a 2024 fifth round pick. So basically, let's just give Cogs his shot at a Stanley Cup because he definitely deserves it. He's put it in his time. And then finally, uh, the trade that we had all waited multiple hours to hear from after the backup from the Central Registry. The Sharks traded goaltender Alexi Melnichuk to the Tampa Bay Lightning for minor leaguer Antoine Morand, who's also a center. So... Uh, Sharks and Lightning just continuing to trade junior goaltenders all the way back to Magnus Krona. So just another another day, another trade deadline passes. Sharks make four moves. Uh, I believe Joe Will said that they had a couple of the cap, like we get a pick to yeah, help so move some numbers. Ones like they did last year with Nick Foligno and Matthias mm-hmm. Janmark. And that's what I thought uh, and was talking to people with the Sharks. And that's what I thought that they were going to do and focus on. And they tried, I guess, but it mm-hmm. didn't work out. Yeah, apparently a couple of trades just fell through. Uh, you know, first year back from COVID, everything else. And I don't want to say back from COVID, but essentially like our first year back out of a COVID season. Um, you know, there was the gray area. Plus it's. NHL, they always wait to the last minute to do everything, the procrastinators. Yeah. So, Well, the Sharks uh, need to get some picks so they can trade Redeem Shimikov. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying, man. We well, they didn't get, get some... the picks, though. So. Yeah, we, gotta, we had to get some assets to, to trade these picks. So fortunately, that did not happen. Uh, but yeah, that pretty much breaks down the draft. And we don't have much of a reaction to this other than, you know, as a, as a fan for me, it's like you understand the logic behind the Jake Middleton trade. And then we'll, we'll get into well, it in a, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> What's your whole, reaction? Like people listen. <laughs> what, give, give your quick reaction, Shang. <laughs> well, okay. So with uh, Middleton, um, I had mentioned uh, uh, multiple occasions that the Sharks were overvaluing Middleton. and hate every right to, but, the Sharks' ask was a second-round pick and a good prospect uh, for Middleton. That's what Pierre Lebrun reported, and that mm-hmm. was supposed to mirror what the Ducks got for Josh Manson. Yeah. And Middleton for Kakinen is not that. No. Uh, we don't have to, you know, we basically, I've talked about this already, that Middleton is seen as a bottom-pairing defender, a very good one, uh, but... Uh, just that, and not a true top four guy like a Josh Manson or Ben Sherratt. And so Middleton for Cockton in the fifth is 
a good exchange. Uh, it's a good it's a good value considering where where Middleton came from, obviously. And there's been a lot of talk about that, but yeah, there was an overvaluation there. And you know, once again, I always uh, you know hate to be the bearer of bad news, but um, don't try not to overvalue your your guys, your prospects, because a lot of times teams don't value them the same. Other teams don't value them the same way. It's not a conspiracy to lower their trade value. I, I get that every. Every time I come out with one of those pieces from my 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 scout buddies or whatever, right? Other representing other teams, there's some conspiracy to hold down the Sharks' value. No, it's just they don't see some of these players the same way. Um, it's not like they. It's not like it's every player. Hurdle. It was unreserved. Yeah, that guy deserves a first round and a prospect. We don't know if whatever team can sign him to an eight year deal, but there's no question about the guy's ability. Don't hear a thing about that about Hurdle. Why? Because he's really fucking good. Uh, <laughs> but other players, Middleton, Barabanov, there's real questions about them. And it's, uh, well, you know, uh, I, I'm not, it's far be it for me to say how uh, someone should follow the team. Um, but um, yeah, but, but uh, <laughs> if you're going to take a more objective approach to it, though, then it's this, 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 the, there's a reason why the team has missed the playoffs for three straight years. These are the players that they're trotting out as top four, as top six, and that sort of thing. And uh, <clears throat> it's not on Middleton or Barabon. I'm just using them as examples here. They've done very ably with sort of the playing time that they've been given. Um, but, yeah, but that's the reality of it, though, that if these guys are your – if, if he's your, if Jake Middleton is your number four defenseman, if Alexander Barabanov is your fourth best forward, chances are there are greater problems with your team, and that's what we've seen. Um, so anyway, so that's on Jake Middleton. Um, I did want to say one thing about uh, Barabanov, and this is uh, this is this I had to uh, uh, take a. Uh, this was this was my mistake. Um, so I came out with an article that said that there were no talks with Barabanov. This was based on one source telling me that there were no talks. Uh, but that source also told me, though, and I, I, I couldn't quite piece it together that he wasn't being offered out there. And that didn't quite make sense to me. But the source was strong enough that if he said there was no talks, I trusted that. Uh, then another source told me that there had been talks. But he also said that Barabanov wasn't being offered out there. So there was that consistency there. And I've also talked with other people and throughout the trade deadline, that was consistent that Barabanov wasn't being offered. So I dug uh, deeper into this, what, you know, my mistake and then what I heard from another source. And so as I understand, I just want to put it out there. I'm going to correct my article. Uh, I didn't go back to that, but as I understand it, there have been talks between uh, Barabanov, uh, Barabanov's camp and the Sharks. And Joe will confirm that in, in his availability today, but it hasn't risen to an offer yet. So I think that's the distinction there. So there were contract talks, but nothing really solid. And my guess now, you know, for a while, for a little while there, I was thinking, well, if the Sharks aren't talking to him, then they'll probably trade him, I guess. But then his name wasn't out there, which was kind of weird. Um, and so anyway, uh, my guess now is that something does get done. That that's a with a question mark. Um, I'm going to throw out a guess of a two to three year range, something short term, which makes sense for both sides. Uh, the Sharks obviously don't want to invest 
you know, eight years into Alexander Barabanov, or they, no. or they would have got to him right after they finished with Tomas Hurdle. And Barabanov himself uh, is still relatively unproven under a hundred NHL games. Um, but anyway, so I that's the range that that's my educated guess for for what the range will come in uh, for Barabanov if he does return. I think the big question though is AAV. Right. And, and that's the one consistent thing, too, that I've heard from many people with Barabanov that question mark uh, is, uh, is he a real top six forward on a good team, on a cup contending team, on a true blue playoff team? He's top six on the Sharks. He's the Sharks fourth best forward. But is that more because the Sharks just aren't very deep up front? Um, and the answer that I'm trending to get is that, uh, yeah, he's a little bit maybe uh, more so a beneficiary of the Sharks' uh, lack of talent up front. And even if the Sharks do sign him, I mean, you know, the Sharks aren't exactly chomping on a bit here, right, to re-sign him, right? This isn't, again, Tomas Hurdle, right? This is not a true top six four that they're like, we got to bring him back. We got to bring him back for eight years. So yeah. reading between the lines, um, but again, though, I need to I need to take a, uh, uh, you know my uh, mistake there uh, that there weren't talks and someone asked the uh, we'll ask a mailbag question too that we'll address too on that point and um, anyway so yeah so there so again I will say that uh, final <laughs> after digging through this haven't talks no offer yet we'll see what happens. Uh, but I do trend to think, uh, tend to think that uh, more positive right now on it. Uh, it could change, but that's something will get done between the two sides. That's just a guess. Yeah, and that question was from at Eklund for Calder. Their question being, why would they not talk to Barbanov if they didn't plan to trade him? So right. hopefully, first off, best Twitter handle out there, by the way. Um, but <laughs> hopefully that answered that question for you. Turns out they did kick the tires, per se, on talking with the agent involving that, that contract so and i want to touch on one more thing too because I, I didn't see a question about it so before we get to the mailbag mm-hmm. uh something that the sharks didn't do um a source told me that benino and nieto were out there uh were dangled uh joe will confirm the benino part uh joe will phrase it differently that people ask about benino <laughs> but uh anyway though Either way, Benino was what was out there. Um, and I think overall, it makes sense. You know, Benino is a bit expensive for a fourth line center at two million. That is, again, what he is. Again, the reality of the Sharks, you know, Alexander Barabanov as your fourth best forward, Jake Milton as your fourth best defenseman, Nick Benino as your third best center. And Nick Benino as your third best center was awesome in 2017. It is not that in 2022 um so also to nieto is a good penalty killing winger but he is replaceable though uh he's not the type of guy that i I would call irreplaceable and he has a pretty good contract right he signed for next year too so that makes sense why uh they might be out there why there could be some interest but you know what to make of them not getting moved obviously benino's cost and that's something i've talked with with other people and uh, I've talked about on the podcast before. Uh, he's a luxury at a, at a fourth line center. Um, that's why in the last week's podcast, I suggested if you want to move him in his entire salary, you have to attach a pick. Uh, that's still kind of what I think. Uh, if someone 
offer the Sharks a fifth round pick for Benino uh, right now with the contract two years, uh, I'm sorry, two million next year. I would think they would have taken it. That'd be my guess. Uh, could be wrong about that. I don't know that for for a fact, but uh, if he wasn't moved, there's a reason why, right? And yeah. Nieto, I think uh, again, you know, a replaceable sort. So um, and so maybe other teams had a close enough equivalent. Maybe the Sharks want a little more uh, than other teams wanted to give because Nieto is signed to a, a good contract. Uh, but anyway, though, I wouldn't surprise me if both are once again available this summer. Yeah, and I know at the beginning there you said Benino and Nieto were dangled, and that's the only time you're ever going to use the word dangled with their names <laughs> in a sentence because they're definitely not the uh, not going to be dangling any defensemen here anytime soon. So, all right, Shane, we did the recap. Hey, hey, now hey, it's... Nick, they, 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 these guys weren't traded, right? You gotta, you gotta stop with the, well, you gotta stop with, uh, with uh, dogging on them. So, did you say I was wrong, or did you say <laughs> Nick, you're right? because <laughs> all i'm hearing is nick you're not wrong but they're they're good players honestly i love i love it's it's nick obviously i love another nick it's just you know it's the rule of nicks you love other nicks that's just the way it goes and i love long beach native matt nieto but i wonder who uh now the 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 famed cogliano bonino nieto third line is evaporated i no wonder. <laughs> you know the who, answer who, to that joined. question you Joins know it's Noah check. Gregor. You yeah. know it's Noah Gregor. Come on. Yeah, but if they have an injury to uh, quote unquote top six forward, Noah Gregor is also the first guy to move up. So I guess it could be John Leonard now too. But yeah, then it'll, it'll be John Leonard. Gregor, though. It won't be Joachim Blickfeld. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just keep pissing off Liz every episode. You just say Joachim Blickfeld's not going to be on the third line. <laughs> well, that's that's not me doing it. So that's Joachim Blickfeld doing it. <laughs> that is our Barracuda reporter, Liz Child. Make sure you go give her a follow at Liz Child. So let's bust it open. Let's bust open the mailbag right now. All right. That's a, a hypothetical mailbag. I don't actually have a bag full of mail. But our first question, I wanted to start off with something positive. I wanted to start off with a nice question here from at gray underscore TJ. Any news on Doug Wilson? How's he doing? Well, I'm not sure how positive this is because Doug is on medical leave. <laughs> but well, I mean, just uh, showing like concern, you know. We hope yeah, for the okay. best. Yeah, okay, fair and... enough, fair enough. Before we get into the, the yeah, the, the festering mess uh, that the, the the roster is in, right? Uh, so, Doug, uh, our updates are usually from Joe. Well, we usually try to ask him every time we talk to Joe. We did not talk with uh, with uh, uh, Joe about Doug this time around uh, after the deadline, but we talked recently uh, after hurdle signs just a few days ago and uh, hurdle had said that he and doug exchanged a call uh or yeah had exchanged a short call congratulatory call mm -hmm. and joe before uh, pretty recently had said that he and doug talk every day have to believe that doug's prints are still on this overall um but yeah uh i i think that uh big picture things i think still probably involve doug wilson but day to day like, I don't know if, if Doug Wilson gets involved with Nick Merkley getting traded for Anthony Potato. I, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, re-signing hurdle, shape of the franchise, where things are going, I would think that Doug is still involved with that. But anyway, so the news that we generally have heard has been that he's been doing well. 
Um, but nothing concrete beyond that. Uh, no sense of when he's going to return, if he's going to return. Um, yeah. He is month to month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, best wishes to Doug. Hope everything's okay. Hope you get well soon. Drink some water. That's all I got for you. Make some Vicks. Get one of those nice homemade blankets. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Next question coming from at Bay Area Sports F. Ran out of characters there, I guess. With very little cap space and Eklund being the only prospect having a legitimate shot at graduating to the NHL next season, how is management going to sell to the fans that next season is going to be different from the last three seasons? And that's not making the playoffs 500 team at best. Maybe the F is a commentary on Bay Area Sports. Like, Bay Area Sports, fuck! It F to pay respects. Uh, I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, so, uh, so okay, how is management going to sell? Well, if you're talking specifically about the management, I mean, uh, they've tried to sell spending to the cap. Uh, they've tried to sell that other prospects have legitimate shots of maybe they'll surprise us um from you know they mentioned the bordelos the Coes. maybe someone will surprise us next year you never know not likely uh i don't think so i would guess not uh just because that's not usually how prospects progress they don't go straight from the from juniors to the nhl unless there are the you know elite prospects um i think that if i were management uh what i would do if i wanted to try to compete next year and i've resigned thomas hurdle and i've this is what the the topic of the last podcast was basically was, well, you got to make moves, right? You got, you got to clear manufacturer cap space. You got to sign a free agent or two. You got to make a trade maybe or two. And they had to be legit players. They can't be kind of uh, bargain bin players like Benino, who once great players that are sort of on their last legs. Uh, they can't be sort of the dumpster diving. Sometimes you, you know, find great, good players like Balzers off waivers and stuff like that. Right. Um, or a popular one from last year that didn't work out was a Galchenyuk, right? Uh, I think the shine is off of him, but, you know, recent years, right, it's always, oh, he was a first-round pick. He scored 30 goals before. The Sharks should sign him, or some other team should sign him, right? And so it can't be guys like that. So it's got to be someone legit. Um, I've mentioned, of course, Andrew Kopp, who got traded to the Rangers. Uh, mentioned Vincent Trocek. Uh, so it has to be somebody uh, legit to sell to at least one guy. I mean, again, we're just talking about strictly management perspective. How do you sell? Like, how do you, um, again, promote, sell, um, deceive? <laughs> uh, but let's just say, yeah, how, how do you how do you dress it up a bit, right? You got to dress it up with at least one legit acquisition. I don't know who that is. Um, but, yeah, it can't be like the last couple of off seasons, right, where – couple off seasons, you know, it was Pat, uh, Patrick Marlowe and Matt Nieto being, you know, the big forward signings. Right. And Ryan Donato and Devin Dubnik being the big kind of, <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, again, you know, that fits the Devin Dubnik was the guy on his last legs. Ryan Donato was sort of the guy that was you know, sort of uh, about to go from, kind of prospect to, oh, yeah, you know, it's not really going to work out for him in a big way in the NHL. I know Donato is doing okay in Seattle, but, again, that's for the last place team, right? So it can't be anything like that, right? It's got to be a legit, like, somebody in his prime that is pretty good. Doesn't, you know, not maybe not a great player because you may not be able to get that with 
the Sharks cap room and whatnot, right? But mm. yeah, it's got to be someone. You mean you know again, sell right? That's your key word here. It's got to be someone uh, pretty uh, pretty legit. Yeah, management could sell it to me by buying out Mark Edward Vlasic. Yeah, but they got to spend the money somewhere, right? If they just honestly, right? If you do, well, I'm saying just, like that. Like, that's like the first step. We talked about accelerating mm-hmm. the reset. That's how you sure. fucking accelerate the reset. Like, yeah, you you carry a oh dead cap hit of four million dollars on this year, and then you have one point six spread out over another four years or three years, whatever mm-hmm. it was again. It's like I don't care, dude. Like, make sure. the move. Be oh, a man. Sure. Yeah, no, go, that's fair. Yeah, that's a it. good first step for sure. And then you got to spend that money somewhere, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. then it's followed suit. And then now you're starting to talk about, okay, they're serious. They're mm-hmm. they're actually moving forward now. Hurdle got extended. Right. That was the catalyst. Now they're stepping on the gas. Let's try to fucking compete. I will That's say, you, you know, last offseason when they bought out Jones, that was a that was a worse series move in some ways too. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did try, you know, the you know the guy they added in Benino wasn't the worst bet at all i've talked about this multiple multiple times too yeah uh, bonino was such a good player before it was reasonable to hope that he had one more very good year in him i think i don't think it was a wild uh, ex- uh, hope on their part uh yeah. but it just didn't work out and that's what happens when you sign guys like the or you acquire guys like the dubniks the Beninos, the you know the once great or very good players uh that cross into that 30s nearing mid 30s range it just they just don't don't have it like they used to so they've replaced oxygen with hopium at sap <laughs> so <laughs> well yes that's another thing too yeah pipe in drugs literal drugs yeah. <laughs> the SB, sap center during sharks games that might uh, uh get the fans uh <laughs> Funny enough i was <laughs> talking to carlo things, so. <laughs> i was talking to carlo about the middleton trade uh, I was texting him about it back and forth. Carlo, a, you know, Vegas Golden Knights fan. Oh, jump on me, whatever. Is he care. on the, the, is he the Vegas podcast? Yeah, he does the Vegas podcast for yeah, Hockey Podnet. But he, he's become a good friend of mine. We play games together and stuff. We converse quite a bit. But he was talking about, like, you guys need good defensemen. Why are you trading away LD? And I'm like, well, you know, apparently we have a lot of LD down the pipeline, but we're also pumping in LSD because we're delusional <laughs> as hell. So we got all of it going on there so uh the next question we already mentioned that was from at Eklund for Calder yeah. about barabana so now we're going to jump into the um the smorgasbord here this is the the meat of the the questions that we got and it was in regards to the jake middleton trade and it was mm-hmm. us acquiring capo kakinen and i said i tweeted out after the trade was made official let's read between the lines here Reimer's probably going to get traded. Just making an uneducated well, guess there. That, that we all made, yeah, more or less. S- that didn't happen. So yeah. a lot of people were kind of left with, you know, what's going on. And we have mm-hmm. multiple questions here. I'm going to list off the people who 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 talked about it. We had uh, Colin Dichkowski, at C underscore Dichkowski, at Garen Larson 1, at Stoney 387-88507. Um, uh, just a ton of you want to know what's going on with the goaltending. Now, Joe Will came out during his media availability, Shang, and said they're not running with three goaltenders next season. So you can throw that out of the window. That's not going to happen. So now the question kind of comes up with who's on the block, who goes, who stays, and then the question specifically 
from at clocks work, which we'll, we'll answer at the end is where does stay lock fit into all this? So Nowhere. he fits in the Barracuda. <laughs> and I think, um, unless, yeah, I've already answered. Yeah. 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 <laughs> continued depth. He's the three G he's what Sachenko is right now. Um, in in the sense that it's essentially Sachenko and Stalock battling it out for the goal, the Barracuda goaltending position down there with Melnichuk out. You know, don't discount Zachary Amond as well. Um, and in the event that there's an injury or a call up needs to happen, whoever's playing better between Stalock as well as Sachenko is going to get that call up to be the backup. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. It's simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older only. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, Shang, what I have... As far as my personal question here to you, this is something that I wanted to ask before we get into what your um, your prognosis would be of this trifecta goaltending situation is, is when I saw that, you know, we've talked about Nabokov playing a role in deciding, you know, no, we got to start Reimer on back-to-back nights. Sachenko might not be, you know, it, we're better at with playing Reimer back-to-back than we are, you know, starting Sachenko in net. Now, does Nabokov help with scouting potential goalies in trade consideration? Does he Absolutely. help scout these people out and yep. say, hey, no, this guy is a good guy. I don't care what his stats say or, yes, his stats reflect it. He's got the tools that we can work with to, to further develop him. Yep. Yeah, no, his his name is on there. Uh, you go back to interviews with Doug Wilson. Joe will mention it today. Um, he's a part of it, uh, be it uh, Devin Dubnik, uh, be it Aiden Hill, or on the positive side, James Reimer. How can you not have him? Uh, uh, you know, uh, he used your goaltending coach. Uh, Joe Will did not play goal. Doug Wilson played defense. So how how do you not ask Nabokov to at least look into it? Right. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I just thought I'd throw that question out there just to just to include that. It, you know, this isn't just GMs going out there. This is scouts. Right. This is you know, longtime NHL goaltenders as well that are help making these decisions and, and for better or worse. Right. And, you know, when Bob Bugner kept starting James Reimer, uh, I kept repeating because whatever happened, if it, if it worked out great and James Reimer started 20 games and the Sharks are in the playoffs now, then Bob and, and Nabby deserve credit. And Mm -hmm. if James Reimer starts 13 games and he gets hurt and the Sharks are out of the playoffs and that's, on them too to some degree you know so yeah. uh yeah it's not just bob it's not just on the buck off either um but um yeah it's i think a very shared thing between the two gotcha so um just a couple of the questions that are spread throughout here mm-hmm. you know who gets moved in the off season of the three goaltenders for yeah that's a good question. um i think the 
the last 20 games here might provide uh, at least for, uh, I think, Reimer, unless Reimer really falters. I think he's proven himself this year, obviously. Uh, yeah. Cochran's had a good year in Minnesota, uh, but we'll see how he reacts to uh, not as uh, stout uh, team defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Hill obviously it, yeah. has been... Huh? That's one way to put it, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's one way to put it. Uh, Hill has been banged up, obviously, and hasn't had a good year anyway, really, overall. And so I think for Hill, this these last 20 games, hopefully he get healthy and put some more good tape. You know, it's funny, you know, he comes back for one game, he shuts out L.A., and he gets hurt again, right? Uh, so hopefully he can string together a few games like that to make the Sharks think a little bit. Uh, and then, so then I think during the summer, it becomes a good question in terms of uh, – who they keep um, right now, Reimer and Cochran have the most value. Wouldn't actually should shock me if they traded a Cochran. Wouldn't it be funny if they traded Cochran for a second round pick and they uh, got back the second round pick that they traded uh, for Hill? <laughs> that <laughs> but, would be comedy. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's just you know, maneuvering that's... around and continuing to get their picks. Because yeah, Cochran I mean, is an RFA at the end of the, at the, he end is of the RFA, season. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean uh, his resume, it doesn't look that much different than Hill's. I got to look at some of the the analytics. I think uh, a Cochran doesn't do so well in some of the underlying stats. But mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, uh, Hill was an RFA going into last offseason, too. So I would think Cochran's contract is going to look roughly like Hill's, which is about $2 million. That's what, two years, uh, a little over four uh, total. So $2 million a year. Um so anyway, I, I think it just depends on the, the offers that the Sharks get. Maybe a team will be more interested in a Reimer, uh, more veteran, very comfortable not playing probably and, and being just a support guy. But if you put him in for a stretch of games, if your starter gets hurt or whatever, you feel pretty good with, with him there too. Um, mm-hmm. They could also possibly trade Hill, just take it as a loss. Like, hey, we, we blew a second-round pick there. Uh, that's possible too. Um, so they have a lot of options here. Uh, maybe not good options <laughs> or yeah. maybe not great options, but you have three NHL caliber goalies here. You never know what, what, uh, necessarily what you might get from them next year. And so it might be good. They can go. Yeah. They, so they definitely can go young too. Hill Kokkinen. Uh, my guess. Uh, so just, uh, if you were to, to, uh, kind of, uh, make me narrow something down, I would say that they would trade one of the higher value guys, be that Reimer or Cochinen. Um, yeah. And, you know, whether that's a second round pick or a third round pick or something, right? Um, if Hill could get a second round pick last offseason, maybe another team could be interested in Cochinen at that value. Uh, really just depends on how much somebody likes a Cochinen. Um, Reimer, more veteran guy, not as much upside, but he's obviously had a good year, and so he can probably get a decent draft pick too. And yeah. so, yeah, so I think I think it might come down to that, but it's hard to say right now, just because I think the last twenty games won't matter, especially for Cochinen and Hill. Yeah, do you see? Um, do you see Cochinen getting the majority of the work so they can continue to evaluate how he plays, or because I mean they've. The Sharks are virtually out of the playoffs mm-hmm. at this point. So, you know, there's no reason to continue to risk more injury to James Reimer, play him when he's at 80%, and then Hill's kind of in day-to-day. You know, you got Cockenden now. He's apparently meeting them in Calgary. 
maybe he'll be bunking with you, Shane. You'll never know. I hope he'll be paying for this fucking Airbnb. <laughs> then. Topo, but yeah, he better. Yeah, you yeah, better put up a put up his half at least. Yeah, he's not saying yeah. you're free. I see that AAV. Right now. If Papo Cockman can pick me up some barbecue right now, he can stay at my place for free. So there you go. <laughs> I wish this was a live stream so you could hear that. So. <laughs> But yeah, I mean the the situation's kind of like up in the air. I feel like they're gonna give Kokkinen maybe the lion's share worth of work there um, in regards to um, the, this last stretch of games. You know, maybe yeah, the guys won't play. So it's a little unfair to Reimer to suddenly turn him into like the Zach Sachenko of the situation. Uh, yeah, I would no. say if, if if all three were healthy, I could see basically a rotation where. They play equal number of games, kind of something yeah. roughly like that. Uh, maybe Reimer gets a little bit of the short end of the stick, where he might play like, you know, five or six, and then the Hill and, and Cockton will get the the bulk of it. Um, so Cockton may end up getting a few more games than than a Reimer right now with Hill hurt, but I don't think that they're just gonna, you know, mothball James. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he would want that. That'd be my guess. Uh, one of the questions I do see here is, you know, I don't understand getting rid of Reimer if we are winning now. James Reimer has had one really good year this year, uh, but there's a reason why the Sharks are able to sign him for $2.25 million. Goaltending is kind of funny that way. You really don't know. There's really just as good as chance, as far as my understanding of goaltending, that Aiden Hill can have a much better season than James Reimer, or Cockney can have it too. And so it's always a little bit of a gamble there. You know, Reimer is not... Henrik Lundqvist in his prime where you can just like a metronome, you knew what you were going to get out of the guy, you know, every mm-hmm. single year. Right. And so um, I, if, if you get a good offer for Reimer and Cockney and Hill are both talented goalies. And I think that that's perfectly okay to, to roll with Hill and Cockney. Um, But so we'll see, we'll see about that. But, you know, Reimer is not one of those guys like, He's so good that if you lose, like if you if you lose, if you talk about you want to win now and you lose Tomas Hurdle, that obviously doesn't make sense because Tomas Hurdle is a first line center. Yeah, James Reimer is a good one A one B goalie uh, that's having a, a fantastic season, or maybe let's not exaggerate a very good season. And Cockney and Hill, Cockney is actually having a pretty good season himself, and Cockney and Hill, they are also good enough to be 1A, 1B goalies. Um, Hill maybe doesn't have quite the resume. Cockman's been a little bit more proven than, than Hill or played more games than Hill the last couple of years. Um, but, yeah, so they're basically kind of three, probably, I had to ask a Mike McKenna, but they're probably three fairly equally talented goal goaltenders. And, yeah, so so next year, like I said, it could be Cockman who pops off or it could be Hill. So, anyway. Goaltending is an enigma. Don't expect us to explain it. It makes no I'm sense. I'm not the one to explain it. You know, yeah, yeah, we can get a, yeah, Kat Silverman, Mike McKenna back on. They might have a better kind of read on it, but. Um, better yet, let's yeah. just get Nabokov on. Let's hear straight from the sure. source. <laughs> have his people talk to your people, Shane. Well, your people, I mean. Well, he, I, he actually would be the worst. I mean, uh, you, you want a Mike McKenna that's going to lay it straight and, and tell you that, you know, Hill's not a great skater, and that's why he may not quite work out. And just like that, you know, Mike was great on our show. So we, we got to bring him back soon. Oh yeah. Easily, easily loves Mike. So 
I hope that answered everyone's goaltender question. Yeah, I'll take a least. quick run through to to see if we missed any of the. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I looked at it. it. We've we've pretty much sorted. Everyone just wants to know what the hell's going on. And I would so, say if I were to guess, I would guess it's still Reimer. Wouldn't surprise me once they acquired Kakinen, where it's kind of like, well, let's. Uh, who knows? Maybe they were close on a Reimer deal and something fell through, right? Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, could have been Minnesota. Maybe, maybe, maybe they were about to send Reimer over to Minnesota, but then uh, Flurry, you know, Chicago lowered their ask on Flurry. So who knows? Or so, I mean, Toronto. Be, yeah, I mean, I'm just highly speculating that I have no idea about that. I'm just saying that um, uh, I, I, if I were to pick one, it still would be the red, the veteran guy. Uh, that'd mm-hmm. just be my guess, but I don't know. Uh, but yeah, makes sense. Anyway, yeah, so that does solve our uh, or resolve our goaltending questions, I think. Yeah. Our goaltending, your goaltending questions, not San Jose's. But <laughs> yeah, tweet but. at us if you have more questions about it. Moving on, we're definitely going to be talking about it. You know, it's going to be another hot topic for the future. So, <laughs> uh, we have some defense questions coming up now. Uh, of course, all surrounding the departure of. Anchor I like man. Kind of together. You kind of put together like positional groups here. <laughs> yeah, man. I got a little organizational here. Or at least I tried, you know, at Cedra at the end, the, the absolute gong show at the end there. But uh, this question's from at Robeson Matt. I think that's per- pronounced correctly. Please. At Robeson Matt? Yeah, I think it's Robeson. Yeah. I think so. I think um, it's Robeson. There's a famous actor, Paul Robeson, but. Anyway, maybe he's related. Here there. <laughs> you had a lot of questions, Matt. We narrowed it down to the ones that we maybe haven't already talked about. Uh, so we have these here for you. Hope hope you're, you're you're satisfied with our answers here. Yes, with Middleton gone, who will replace him? That's a great question. The obvious <laughs> Currently, answer is Kanijov, who was a top, who was Eric Carlson's partner the year before. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know though, right? Uh, it could be it could it could be uh, somebody else. You know, one one thing that was interesting about the Sharks, uh, uh, you know, people kind of laugh when Joe Will said it that the Sharks were trading from a position of strength defense to add to the goaltending. But I'm gonna uh, step up for Joe a little bit here, and I've uh, I don't know where I, I you know, I, I write so many places. I'm on. I honestly don't know where I put this. <laughs> put this. <thought laughs> down. I may have even just put it in comments at San Jose Hockey now. Um, that of the Sharks prospect groups, right? Uh, be it uh, goaltending, forward, and defense, right? Um, their defense is the their 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 best defensive prospects are also how do, how do I put this? Let me put this in a better way. Um, take the Sharks' best forward prospects, right? Uh, your Bordelos, your Eklins, right? Take your Sharks' best defense prospects. That's Kenyazev, Merkley, Hadika. Take your Sharks' best goaltending prospect, which is Goudreau, right? Uh, who's the most ready group for the NHL? And, uh, yeah, who's the most ready group for the NHL that has a reasonably high ceiling, right? And that's obviously the, the, the defense. Because mm-hmm. every one of those guys I mentioned played on a Barracuda this past year. In Ryan Merkley's case, two years. So they have a bit more of that seasoning, right? Uh, Bordolo yeah. has not seen pro hockey. Brandon Cole has not seen whatever. Goudreau, all those guys, right? None of those have seen pro hockey. So um, could one of those guys step in? Uh, possibly. I, I think I think, I think. think the Sharks may be seeing something there that we're not. So they're anticipating one of these guys to kind of step in. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think, I, I, I think that 
You know, I think one of the things with Jake Middleton, too, is, look, like, if the Sharks really thought Jake Middleton was a top four defenseman, like I said, that question, right, that that that, that we talked or the perception of Jake Middleton around the league, mm-hmm. if they saw him as a true top four defenseman, they would have kept him, I'm pretty sure, over a couple cockney. This is my opinion. I don't know that. I've not talked with anybody in the Sharks about it. But let's just let's be honest. A legit top four defenseman who's proved it year after year, right, is worth what? It's worth Ben Sherrod, right? First round pick. It's worth Josh Manson, right? Guys that the analytics hate but are valued around the league. Um, or even if we talk about when they were younger, right? A younger Brendan Dillon, a younger Justin Braun. Obviously, those guys are a little bit older now. They're not uh, even a Dylan DeMello. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. So the so the, the the point is that, in my opinion, if the Sharks really thought that Jake's you know forty or so games was l- totally legit and this guy was going to be a top four guy next to Eric Carlson for the next half decade, they would have kept him. I think, I, because I think that's too valuable to trade. Also, considering that he's young, he's uh, well liked in the locker room, he's cost controlled being an RFA, right? They would have kept mm-hmm. him. I mean, they would have kept them. They would have held on to their, uh, what my source is called, outrageous uh, demands for a second-round pick and a good prospect. They would have held on to that. Yeah, Just I by mean, the that... the lines there, right? So, anyway, yeah. so in terms of a replacement, you know, those are some of your candidates. Uh, Matt, you also asked about external replacement, uh, you, like UFAs, right? And that is a pretty uh, a dry-looking list on the left side. <laughs> <laughs> Left us parched, you could say. Yeah, when we were looking at Donald, that. Nick Letty. You know, Jacob. No, it wasn't Mekka, looking good. Wasn't yeah, Jacob Magna was eleventh on that list of UFAs in terms of a uh, time on ice. So, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I think ideally though it would be Kanijov because Kanijov. Um, I think Middleton's game is more refined than Kanijov's, but I think Kanijov is more gifted as physically more gifted obviously Kanijov's younger too so a little bit more of a, that developmental runway so I think that that's the hope um, and Joe Will did mention that it's uh, gave a positive update on Kanijov today in terms of uh, uh, hoping that he can skate soon and that the worst is behind him uh, I've heard I think that Kanijov could be ready by June and I'm not you know confirming that but that's sort of a uh, my uh, belief hearing around ready, not necessarily to, you know, play angel hockey, but ready to skate, which basically puts him in line to be uh, ready for next season. I, I think. Um, so anyway, so yeah, my guess is it'd be Kanijov. I think it's a fair bet here. And assuming, like you said, everything goes well, that's a pretty obvious answer per se. Now, Matt had another question that we wanted to, uh, kind of dig into here as well again it kind of goes off the defenseman pack but it was his question so we're going to group it in with him Uh, do you think that the sharks need to add more right shot forwards please explain why or why not now i remember this me specifically bring this up yeah i remember this this gets talked out about quite a bit that was the whole kevin lebank argument the sharks have like virtually zero right-handed shots throughout their lineup like if you sure. name their and Bobby even six. mentioned that's the reason why Lane Peterson got power play time for a while, be, uh, because they want they could do some different things with NBC. He's a righty. Yeah, it's as simple as that. You know, the, it makes a huge difference being able to maneuver the puck on the right side wall. You're passing on your strong side. So, but the operative word here is need. 
And yeah. the answer is no, absolutely not. They need good forwards. It doesn't matter what, what they fucking shoot. <laughs> I don't care if they're ambidextrous and their stick is flat, man. They just need to be good. Would, would you rather have two 20 goal scorers who are good two-way players or over two righties who are third liners who score 10 goals or 15 goals? I mean, yeah. yeah. They just need better players. So it, like, it's, it'd be nice. Obviously, it'd be nice if, if, if you can find a good right-handed forward. If all things are, the, are, are, are equal between two UFA forwards, if they literally are all equal, and one is right-handed, one is left-handed, okay, maybe pick the right-hander, right? Yeah. So I'm not in saying that. There's no, uh, Nick, uh, what'd you say? Oh no! You just put them in a vacuum side by side. You yeah. pick the right-handed shot. Yeah, yeah. So uh, sure, sure. There, there is a value in that. Bob has again mentioned that, um, but they just need good forwards. So that's, that's can't be choosers. Yeah, you want a right-handed forward. Yes, you want a right-handed forward. So I agree with that. But you just need good forwards on his team. Again, Alexander, Alexander Burbanov is your fourth forward. He got acquired for Ante Suomela. So, yeah, that, that that's it. That's everything. so, you know, and I, again, Barabanov's a good player. I like Barabanov, but he should not be a uh, number four forward on a purported playoff team. All right. Next question we have coming from at Niners fans. Uh, wrong sport, but I am wearing a San Francisco 49ers hat right now. So <laughs> quite the off season for them, right? We're not going to talk about that here, but oh boy. Their question is, with Middleton now gone, does that change a decision to buy out Vlasic now that they are down a left-handed defenseman and Kanijov still being a question mark for next season? Well, it shouldn't. Probably not. (laughs) It really really shouldn't. Um, Look, they really need manufactured cap space. Um, Buying out Vlasic is really the – just like buying out Jones, you know, of course they don't want to do it and – They'll probably string it out like they did with Jones in the last second and try to find a trade of some sort, you know, be it tossing picks on top of Vlasic or prospects or whatever to do it right. I don't think anybody's going to bite. That's just my guess. One thing that I did find interesting today, though, was uh, Arizona, they traded for a contract today, right? And and uh, can you, who, who was it they traded for? You said Arizona? Mm-hmm. Oh, the name is, it's right there. Yeah, it is actually really important for the Sharks. (laughs) Or any team, really, because this means Arizona's still open for business, for taking on contracts. Okay, so the reason why this is important, I'm going to get to the player, but uh, Arizona, everyone they had acquired up to now was uh, a contract that expired next year, up to 2023. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they acquired somebody today whose contract expires in 2024. (laughs) And so what that means is, and when, when, is, when, when is their new stadium supposed to open? Or how long are they going to be at ASU? Dude, that is just an absolute gong show right now. Like You I know, know though. I'm asked, uh, yeah, do, do you happen to know how long they're going to be at ASU? No, I, I don't know the exact uh, time. I'm gonna, this is all, I have a theory here, guys. So bear it's with Brian me. Brian Little, Perking. I believe, correct? Brian yeah, Little Perking was. And, uh, yeah, I think it's Little. And Little's contract expires in 2024. And they took on. Uh, it was five point two nine million dollars a year for a fourth round pick. That's all. <laughs> that's ridiculous. So yeah, well, and, uh, really... and Nathan Smith. They got Nathan Smith as well. Who's Nathan Smith? To Nathan Is he any Smith. Good? <laughs> I I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. He's got so there's three more. He has, uh, two he's, more years he had after a nice, this season. Uh, season at Minnesota State, I see here. So 
Um, third so round two more, two more years on the contract for Brian Little for a, an, I'm, I'm again, I'm okay. So honestly, yeah, well, we, we should know about the Nathan Smith part. I, I don't know about that, but the point that I, I, I want to make is that, okay. So all He's of the third guys, round pick of the 2018 draft, Nathan Smith yeah. was so, uh, but the, the point is that all the contracts that Arizona had taken on recently, I want to double check, make sure I'm not crazy, but, uh, let's see, uh, Andrew Ladd is expired 2023. Gostaberry is 2023. Um, yeah, Ladd, um, who else? And then the other ones are one year, Roussel, Beagle, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And there was all so, the, the, the nonsense that they did with Vancouver. That was just a whole Right, well, that's, that's Roussel. That's Be- Beagle, too, right? Louis uh, Erickson. Yeah, Louis Erickson's contract expires this year. This year. Um, so... So it's my theory that as long as the Coyotes are at ASU, they're not going to really compete, and they're willing to take on contracts. That's that's my point. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so last summer they didn't know exactly what was going on, so they took on contracts only to 2023. But now the Coyotes are going to take on contract, or I'm sorry, they're going to play in ASU till 20, 2024, 25, with the option of 2025, 26, which actually lines up with Vlasic's contract. So there might be a I, I'm giving away an article idea right here, guys, but this actually kind of makes sense to me because if you are uh, the Coyotes, right, and you want to attract players to your franchise, they're not going to want to play in a gymnasium. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, if you want to sign free agents or whatever, they're going to laugh you out the door. You know, they'll they'll take a little less money to go somewhere else. You got to really overpay them to come to Arizona, I think. Um, so anyway, uh Picking up little more, I'm going to check with some people what they think about it. This is just my theory, so I haven't checked this with anybody who, uh, you know, in uh, in team circles or whatever, right? But my theory is that taking on little uh, contract again to 2024 means that the Coyotes are opening their the business of taking on bad contracts for a little longer, and that's mm-hmm. a really really big deal around the league. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 a that's a, a for sale sign um you know <laughs> i don't know if, i don't know if i can make that make this joke but this is this is a this is a, a tyrone biggum's crack party uh <laughs> yeah you know a, a, a $464,000 crack party uh <laughs> you know there's this is this is this 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 could mean that the Coyotes are open for business for taking on bad contracts for a little longer than we suspected, and that is important. So that's so that's here's important. here's the question though. Mm-hmm. I have I have a question just looking sure. at this. The Coyotes gave up a fourth round pick for this. The Coyotes got Brian Little. Well, that I can't contract. answer. Yeah, we don't. I don't know how good uh, this. Uh, uh, so I don't know they got a third ra- a, a more NHL ready third rounder from four years ago. And then this really bad contract, and then still had to give up this year's fourth round pick, their fourth round pick from this year. So it's still, like you said, in my opinion, it opens up that door or like, hey, we're still here to take on your baggage. But you would think that that would be like they would still get something or not have to give up even a fourth possibly like a fifth because i mean a fourth for them is basically like a high-end third for this season they're a very bad team that's like a late third round pick so it's just interesting that they still had to give up a fourth round pick and still attain that contract 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough that. about. Yeah, this um, might be one of the whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, it's a, just just a question, just off the top of my head. But I do agree with you. They're still showing that they're willing to take on these undesirable contracts for two more years. It could be though, uh, because little is went to LTIR, so that might be why his value. It's not a guy that is going to play, and the Coyotes can kind of bury him there. So that could gotcha. be have something to do with it. I'm not really sure. I, again, I gotta look into that more. But just the what caught my eye though was the expiration of years of uh, Little's contract. Um, and yeah. So that's what I found interesting, and that's what I thought. Yeah, uh, Little hasn't played since 2020, so that might have more to do with it. And gotcha. uh, Smith uh, looks like he's had a nice season. He wasn't going to sign with the Jets, so uh, so he looks like he's a kind of a legit prospect to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Again, though, yeah, I, I, I got to look harder into it. So it's still just a theory, but maybe teaser, that's something that the teaser the, the, for your the, next I, article. Yeah, priorities <laughs> are a little more open for business again. Um, so, yeah, I will check that. All righty. So, oh, anyway, yeah. So, well, the, yeah. The really <laughs> Niners question, though, yeah, uh, it shouldn't change the, the Sharks' decision if they're serious about trying to win games next year. Uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, again, I think Vlasic can still play. I've said this before. I think if you buy off Vlasic, Vlasic will go to contender, be a bottom-pairing defenseman. He actually might be decent in that role still. Um, but, yeah, uh, obviously he's hurting the Sharks now being a $1 million-ish defenseman making $7 million. And obviously the buyout will hurt. But you still save some money. It's going to be about three point four next year, three point four million. You can do a bit with that. You know, are you even though if you spend a million on a defenseman to basically take up Vlasic's spot, the minimum, you still have uh, two and a half million or so to play with for to add another forward uh, to improve any part of your team, uh, a, a team that really needs obviously uh, improvements Improvement. everywhere. Really, <laughs> yeah. That's all that matters at this point is continued push towards improvement. So next defensive question is coming from at B Schmanzies. That's a good name. I like that one. So how did Megna and Malosh end up being in the lineup? Uh, I think this follows up to the next part of this question. It says, I don't think anyone envisioned them as NHL players. Did they progress or did guys like Shimmick and Hatika fail to grab the reins? I want to go back to the the Vlasic one. One last thing: if the Sharks don't buy Vlasic, um, you know, I always try to be very objective. Try not to. I always try to figure out why the Sharks or any you know anything I'm covering, any team I've covered, like why they're they're doing something or don't do something. I will very seriously question um, just the Sharks, the seriousness of of uh, of them saying, oh, we want to get back to Plows next year if they don't buy out Vlasic. Uh, why would you resign Hurdle and make, you know, put Tomas Hurdle through that too? I just, anyway, there's so many questions with that. Um, so, yeah, so if they don't do that, it'll be, be a very, very serious question mark about just the, I, I, you know, a lot of fans don't know what the Sharks are doing. I've tried my best to explain. I, I think I have some understanding of it. Uh, but if they don't blow up plastic, I will really be at a loss for what they're trying to do there. So I'll leave it at that, and we'll see if that happens or doesn't happen, and we'll talk about it then. Uh, so to answer the question from uh, Schmanzies uh, about uh, Magna and Malosh, one thing I'll say about Magna, actually, if you, you can look it up, uh, uh, there was an article uh, that I wrote when Magna was signed a couple of years ago, a couple of off-seasons ago, 
where somebody I talked to actually really liked Megna and wondered why he wasn't getting a shot in the NHL. And so look, go back and, and look at that. And so, um, yeah, a lot of people did not think that, that, that he was an NHL defenseman, obviously, over the last few years. But he still had some supporters, just like that uh, executive that I, I talked to for that article. Uh, former executive, I believe now. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, take a look at that article. And so how did they end up being in a lineup? Well, uh, obviously, well, okay, actually, a better way to answer it is to direct it at the guys that you mentioned. So, yes, Schenck absolutely failed to grab the reins. There's really no way to put it. You can say injuries. You can say um, he's not Bob Bogner's favorite defenseman. Uh, a lot of different kind of things like that. But he's a veteran guy on a big contract. Uh, he was given kind of dibs on on a job, right? That's started the season. The bottom pairing was mostly Shimmick and Vlasic, right? So he absolutely uh, did not grab the reins, and that's why uh, on the podcast last week I was imagining ways to kind of get rid of that contract because mm-hmm. if you're not going to play him, uh, even in a bottom pairing role, then there's no sense in keeping the guy around. Um, Hadika, though, no, you, you can't expect. And I don't think the Sharks expected Hadika, a first year in pro hockey, 20 years old, to step right in and to really take a job. Um, I had a lot of questions uh, when they were really pushing him during the preseason, right? Because I think he started a season as a seventh defenseman. I didn't see it. I did not think that that's a, that's a you know, used to, I don't think that was useful for Hadika. I think that he should be playing for the most part, right? He shouldn't be uh, sitting. Um, and better to just get a veteran to fill that role. Magna or a Malash to fill that role. Uh, Malash isn't quite a veteran. He's a little bit younger. But, uh, but yeah, so Hadaka did not fail at anything. Uh, yeah, he's just a young young guy. He needs some time. And so we'll see if next year, you know, that year with the Barracuda is a huge stepping stone for him or not. Who knows? You might see Jacob Megna anchoring down the line with Eric Carlson. Could fill in those shoes for That's for Jake a bad, bad idea. We'll Again, uh, Jacob Megna has done a very nice job this year, but on a good team, he is your sixth, seventh defenseman. Uh, he has worked his way upward. Yeah, he deserves to be in NHL, and I, I think so. I, I do think he, he does deserve to be in NHL, um, but he should not be on the top pairing. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> Again, that tells you why the Sharks are out of the playoffs. Bad idea if you're trying to win. Good idea if you're trying to get Shane Wright. Come on, Shane. You got to think about the future here. Well, the Sharks obviously aren't trying to get Shane Wright or Connor Bedard or whatever, right? Or <laughs> what are they doing uh, signing Thomas Hurdle? It's just a blow. The word rebuild shouldn't be allowed uh, uh, around uh, 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 fan circles for the next uh, couple of years. <laughs> I'm just, just joking. Wanna, but my just my wa- point I, is just that it's there's there's no rebuild. It's not happening. It, you know, uh, when I just want to win the lottery once. I just want to win the lottery one time. That's all. Well, it's not it, probably not soon. I guess so. But and yeah, you can still win the lottery, and not get the number one pick, right? So you know, I well, guess yeah. But as, as long as they finish eleventh worst <laughs> or lower, then they're fine because you move up ten spots. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, just the overall point is just that it's not a rebuild. Um, should it be rebuilt? That's not a relevant question anymore because it's not. They just invested eight years in a 28, 28-year-old centerman. So. Yep. 
It's not a rebuild. Speaks for itself. Yep. Next question from at Radio Headliner. Oh, uh, uh, Schwamsey's had one more of that, that that he asked that I can ask. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just scrolled right past it. Shit, my bad, Schwamsey's. My bad. <laughs> so are the Sharks one Riley Smith signing away from a playoff spot? No, they are not. All right, I think that pretty much answers that. <laughs> they need a lot more help than one player. Uh, in my podcast last week was still sort of a hopium uh, kind of podcast, but I mentioned Andrew Kopp spending $3 million on another winger if it's not going to be Barabanov. And then obviously Eklund's got to come in too. Um, so things like that, you need, you know, you need things like that to kind of work out. So more than one, one player, especially a winger too. Exactly. Let's try this again at radio headliner. <laughs> they say play armchair GM Doug Wilson again, maybe later, not this episode. We're already crossed the hour mark and just over halfway done a little role play. How does the hurdle extension in today's moves change how you move forward? I don't think it does. Shang. I think you just continue with the process. You're not talking about any major changes that have affected what the reset is going to look like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the the big move, obviously. Well, the last week on our podcast, we already talked about the hurdle extension, how that, what I would do, uh, or what we would do uh, going forward uh, with that. Uh, so, the key moves today, obviously, with Kakanen, you can't have three goalies going into the season. The Sharks won't have three goalies, or if they do have three goalies going into the season, it'll be not for a very long time. Um, so, you trade one of those goalies for probably area you need help. Maybe, maybe you can get a little forward help that way. Uh, maybe you get a, 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 some defense help, a guy that uh, you might have a better feeling about long-term than a Jake Middleton. Um, so so that's, that, that's where I kind of see that. Uh, they did kind of open up a, a hole on their defense a little bit, obviously, with Middleton. But it is possible, again, Knizhov and that layer of prospects that is more ready in Hadika, uh Kanyazev, and Merkley uh, might be – the Sharks may feel that that they're pretty close to ready. Um, and so defense might be taken care of in that sense. Uh, but then you have, the obviously, gaping uh, uh, openings, right? Uh, gaping holes uh, up front and a lot, of, a lot of spots to fill there. Yeah, overall, there's just going to be continued movement and continued acceleration of this reset process moving forward. Uh, next question. From at J Alexander 46. This is a long list of names here. Do you think the Sharks move either Reimer, Burns, LeBanc, Shimek, or Vlasic at the draft? Reimer is very possible. Uh, Burns only if he wants to go. We talked about that before. Uh, LeBanc, I think LeBanc's going to be interesting. Uh, LeBanc should come off the IR soon. And I think he is also a guy that is, it's sort of his audition. Uh, does he want to stay with the Sharks? Does he want a prominent role in the NHL still? Uh, does he want somebody to kind of take him take on his contract basically, right? So he's got to show some stuff in the last, you know, 15 or 20 games here that he didn't show earlier this season. And so I think that's sort of an open question. If LeBanc comes, obviously right now, Kevin LeBanc isn't getting you anything. 
And in fact, you're probably trading a draft pick to get rid of his contract. But if Kevin LeBay comes back strong for these last 20 games or whatever, 15 games, whenever he gets back on the lineup, comes back strong. Suddenly, maybe a team that likes LeBank and is, you know, seeing that he's healthy and ready to go, eh, maybe they consider him. So, um, so Shimmick, uh, again, uh, he's a negative value guy uh, that you're, you have to add things to get rid of his contract, I think. Could happen at the draft, could happen at some other point. But yeah, I think the Sharks definitely need to find a way to get rid of that contract. And Vlasic, again, same kind of thing where, well, maybe less so because I don't, I don't think anyone's taking Vlasic. I don't think the Sharks have enough draft picks <laughs> yeah. to, yeah, to that they could afford to give up uh, that to uh, to uh, to add to a Mark Edward Vlasic. So, um, so yeah, so I, I would highly doubt it unless again there's that extraordinary Arizona option. But yeah, I gotta look harder at that. That just seems so unlikely the Sharks can somehow this year uh, get rid of Evander Kane's contract or some, some COVID mess and uh, get rid of Mark Edward Blast's contract on the one team that is willing to take on bad money, apparently until they get out of their, the gymnasium. So. <laughs> and he would waive his no movement clause for as well. Right. So. Exactly. That too. And anyway, yeah, there's just like uh, for the Sharks to be that lucky would be incredible. So. Um, so no, I don't think Vlasic will get moved at the draft because I don't think you can move him. I do think they have to buy him out. That'd be my guess, but. All right. All right. Next right, question coming from. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Next question from at sharks, Josh 95, a question that continues to kind of come up throughout this entire season as well as what would have, what would have to happen for Bob Bugner to be relieved of his duties in the middle of next season? Also goes on to say, it seems like the front office likes his performance so far and will work their hardest to provide him a more NHL caliber roster next season. Yeah, so we're taking a huge assumptions there that the Sharks actually will do that. We'll provide them a more NHL caliber roster. Um, we look again at their work the past two off seasons and the little signings that they made and the trades they made. They did not uh, give Bob Bugner a high-end roster or really a playoff caliber roster. Um, and let's assume that they do this time around. Well, yeah, then if the Sharks are bad and the team is a lot more talented than they were, then, yeah, Bob will get fired for that. And that's, I think that the pretty cut and dry in that sense. If the Sharks do do not offer him or provide him that kind of uh, – demonstrably better roster though, then, then he's going to keep getting a pass probably because I think the team knows, I mean, honestly, they're not going to say it to us, but I think they know the kind of teams they've been putting out and the kind of like hope that they, well, hopefully Eric Carlson, this is his year that he comes back. Hopefully Timo Meyer is going to figure it out and it turns out for the sharks that a couple of things did happen this year. And that's why they are competitive and at least up to this point of the season. Um, but they didn't know those things were going to happen. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, Eric Carlson has been pretty bad for two years in a row. Timo Meyer has been pretty bad for two years, two years in a row. So, um, so yeah. So anyway, so I think it, the, the front office uh, will judge Bob based on the kind of the roster they provide him. And like I said, I think they know the kind of rosters they've, they've been uh, providing. Him. Next question uh, comes from Rye Fernandez piggybacking essentially off the Bob Bugner question saying it's been three mediocre years in a row. Next year is looking to be the same. Why is Bob Bugner still the right person to be coaching this team? 
And then the following question being, what's expected of him the rest of this season? So first one, why is Bob still the right guy for the Sharks? Uh, actually, we'll go with the, the second question first because uh, this, that's the most immediate thing for the Sharks. So what's expected in the rest of the season? I think the team continues to play hard. Um, I think that's the, that's the main thing, that there's, they still show engagement and that Bob can still reach them. And that leads to answering the larger question, uh, why he's still the right person for this job. Um, everything I see is that the team responds to him still. Uh, even after that Nashville debacle, right, where you know it seemed like the sky was falling, everybody was, a lot of people were, were calling for him to get, to get axed right then and there. He's lost the team, right? Obviously, he hasn't since then, right? I don't think anyone can, can question that the team, not a very good team, right? But they've come back and they've, They've played uh, pretty okay, hot, decent-ish hockey since the Nashville, and for no really no reason, right? Because uh, it's not like the Nashville game put them out of the playoffs. They've been out of the playoffs basically for the last month or so, even though, obviously, again, I don't really need to get into it, but uh, they're still going to try to make the playoffs as long as they, they, they can you know, kind of see it in the horizon. But, uh, but they've been basically out of playoffs for the last month. Uh, the team has responded to Bob continually. Uh, they keep playing hard for him. Uh, so I think that's a big part of it that he is able to reach them and reach most of the young players and set expectations for them that, uh, they follow or they don't obviously, but if they don't follow, they don't necessarily play. Right. But, you know, uh, it's been a question, Oh, what young players have developed under Bob? I'm not really sure why that's a question because there's really a lot of them that have come through and either surprised us like a Jake Middleton or a Knizhov or a Ferraro actually really was a surprise too, if you think about it, uh, because Ferraro in his first year, his rookie year under Peter DeBoer was just the bottom pairing defenseman, right? But all of a sudden by the next year, he is a second pair or top pairing defenseman for the Sharks. You know, probably should be second pairing league wide. But anyway, so those are three guys that uh, that have uh, emerged under Bob and better. Even if you count a guy like Nicholas Milosh, who was, not a player that anyone thought was even going to really have any kind of role in the NHL. And now he's kind of, you know, on his way to maybe carving out a career as a six, seven defenseman. Nothing extraordinary, uh, but that's a young player who's developed. And the big one that I keep harping on is Timo Meyer. And I really think Timo could have gone a different way with a different coach, with different expectations. If he was allowed to just kind of coast and do whatever he wanted, uh, I think he would have ended up a different kind of player. That's just my kind of uh, theory uh but anyway uh so those are examples of some of the young guys who have progressed under bob bob winner does not hate young players uh from what i've seen uh Bugner's also realistic too in terms of just you know what's going to be before him and i guess it's going back to the rest of the season thing so rest of the season He's going to set expectations for the young players who are coming, be it John Leonard, Sasha Chimileski, Ryan Merkley, uh, anybody else who might uh, join the join the roster. And if they can meet it, then they have a shot next year. Um, a great example of that is Noah Gregor, right? And yeah. look, I know everybody hates, you know, the all you know, it's a joke, right? Just uh, just how just just how he's been un- unable to score. But again, you got a I, goal. You did get a goal, goal man. I bet you had that little proud dad moment on the inside there when you go. Because, like I said before, I commented on one of your posts about him, and I said, you're the Noah Gregor truther, Shang. It, can't not, it cannot be denied. Well, you, you... that was more uh, a Logan Couture's joke, actually. Yeah. yeah. When, when he was asked uh, the unluckiest shark, and he just 
started cackling. <laughs> yeah. Breaker. But anyway, though, um, take my word for it or not, or take the word of the, you know, the scouts, executives I talked to or whatever, right? No breaker. Doesn't matter the counting stats. He is a demonstrably better player than he was last year and definitely the year before his rookie year. There isn't a question mark in anybody's mind that I talk to who's living, whose profession is to watch and evaluate hockey and hockey players. Uh, whether or not shows up in, on the score sheet, you know, that's going to be the difference between Noah Berger being a second line-ish, you know, or a legit third line player, a middle six player, right? Or, mm-hmm. uh, or a fourth line player. But Lowbreaker is a legit NHL player now. He's a, you know, they like to say, oh, this guy's a player. He's a player. You know, he is. He may not be a great player. He may not even be a very good player. <laughs> but but right now, though, he is a guy that in his Sharks team, he he's he's he uh, he he's going to be. Well, he was. Yes, he just he was just scratched a couple games there. Uh, Bob talked about, you know, no needed work. But I guess that's where the point, too, where. No, Gregor is demonstrably an angel player on this roster, at least. And Bob is still holding him to standards, even though No, Gregor is a better player than Jonah Gadjevich, right? Or Jeffrey Vial. He is. Uh, but Gregor still has to meet certain standards. And Gregor still has to, Gregor can't coast. John Leonard can't coast. You know, a lot of uh, consternation when John Leonard was pulled out of the lineup. You know how many shots John Leonard had in two games that he got to play with Tomas Schurdel? Question for you, Nick. Take a guess. No, no. Two, two shots in two games. Zero. Damn, I thought I was being concerned. And John Leonard, you know, his game, right, is to shoot. And again, I'm not going to kill John Leonard. I actually like John Leonard a lot. I have been actually very firm in, in my thoughts about John Leonard all season, just insofar as that the Sharks like him still. He's had a rush out of the Barracuda, and I like his talent, and I stuck with that, and I'm glad that he kind of figured it out in the AHL, and he's back here. And it wouldn't surprise me if he does put together a nice, you know, clip of games here, the last 15 games or whatever, right? He wasn't good in the, those two games he just played, though. Let's let's be honest. Again, his game is to shoot. He got to play with the Sharks' best center. If you don't get zero shots there, I mean, not to put it all on John Leonard. Obviously, uh, his line maybe Hurdle didn't have a good game. Maybe I'm not sure if it was, I think it was Barabanov there with her balls. I think it was Barabanov. Uh, you know, so I'm not trying to put it all on John Leonard there. Uh, it's not all on him. But come on, he didn't have much of an impact in those games, and that's something that Bob Boner has to watch. He can't just be giving uh, young players. I was I don't think so. Maybe you know when they really fall, maybe just give them the run. But he also has set expectations for these guys to meet. And so anyway, so to answer your question, uh, uh, Rye and, and Toldo, um, are there guys, you know, better possible coaches than Bob out there? Yeah, there, 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 are, there, there are or could be. I don't know, you know. Um, but I think there's a lot of good reason, though, and a good reason why Bob has kind of earned the trust of the Sharks. And I would just say that still the right person to coach a team. Yeah, because, uh, you know, people offer the accountability stuff, but that seems to really have only been a Vander Kane problem. I mean, honestly, if we really think about it, I don't, I've not heard anyone else talk about accountability issue. We've seen guys improve with their accountability, right? Timo Meyer. So it's not like whatever happened with Vander infected the entire team. Um, 
And I think another important thing too with uh, Bob Bugner is that he does have the, apparently it seems like the loyalty, the following of the leadership of the team, be it uh, Lowen Couture or Brent Burns, you know, very important there too. That's really important too. Um, so is he the perfect coach for the Sharks? Again, is, might there be someone else better? Yeah, possibly, but um, I don't think that he's a bad coach for the Sharks. I think he's a good coach for the Sharks. And so some of those reasons that I outlined, um, the, hopefully that, uh, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. So. Yeah. No, I think it's fair. I think everything you said is fair and you take it into consideration. At the end of the day, we're not professional hockey coach evaluators at the same time. You know, you can only kind of judge with what we've seen. And Bob gets a lot of flack for decisions and stuff of that sort. But that comes with the job, and you have to be able to look at the entire picture as a whole. I think he gets a lot of the talent that he has. Okay, and yes, three me- 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 mediocre years and three years out of playoffs to tell you more about the talent that he has than the coach. What was it? Trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit? Yep, something like that. I think that perfectly sums it up. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, we're gonna get into some. Uh, we have two little offbeat questions here. We'll run through them quick, and then a final question um, as well. We're running out of time here, but. Um, <laughs> From at AJG2021, do you know if Russian and Belarusian players will be eligible for the NHL draft with everything going on? Uh, Or maybe they'll only allow the ones playing in NA currently like the CHL or the NCAA. Just curious. Shang, I have no clue. Um, Yeah, I don't really know either. I haven't heard anything, but that's not something that I really keep my ear to the ground on, especially uh, around trade deadline time. So. Uh, so yeah, I can't answer that question. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll see, I guess. I would, I would get in with like, uh, follow Chris Peters. It's definitely yeah, that's, that's yeah. a guy, uh, to follow who will, will know, uh, when, as it's happening. Yeah. He's plugged into the college scene specifically. Yep. Well, just um, any so. draft prospect stuff, Chris M. Peters. So yeah, exactly at Chris M. Peters. So we've had him on a few times. Great, great guest, great guest. Next question coming from at Red Shark Pack. And I had to include this one in here because, you know, it's not very often I get to take and poke jabs at uh, Vegas because, I mean, look at where the Sharks are and look at where Vegas is right now. But Vegas attempted a trade today. It's currently being disputed by. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a shit show. So basically, they tried to trade Evgeny Dodonov to the Anaheim Ducks for some. It's not cap circumvention technically, but it's to clear up space because they're moving this guy and this guy, and it's it's still being reported on the cap friendly side. It's gone through, mm-hmm. but oh my lord, it is a gong show. The question is basically, what the hell is going on with the trade? And the trade as of right now shows that it, it, it's gone through. They trade Dodonov to Anaheim along with a 2024 second-round pick, a conditional pick. They get Ryan Kessler's contract that goes on LTIR, right. and they get John Moore. So they clear up $3.5 million worth of cap space. There's some fugaciousness going on because Dodonov allegedly has Anaheim no trade clause but there's some legalities kind of floating around and of course always go follow elliot friedman he's the one who's kind of covering this um 
because Dodonov was traded for on July 28th, you're supposed to submit these teams or this list for your modified no trade clause on July 1st. That's when you're supposed to submit those. Um, I believe the agent is supposed to submit those. I can't say that with 100% confidence, so don't chastise me for it. But he has a 10-team no trade list, and allegedly Anaheim was on that list. So it's a real shit show going on right now. It's currently being disputed by Dodonov's camp, essentially. And I don't know if he, I don't think he played uh, for Minnesota. Uh, excuse me. I don't think he played for Vegas today because he's technically not on Vegas. Like the trade went through, but it's being disputed. Um, so make sure if you guys want to laugh at Vegas a little bit, go ahead and follow that little fiasco going on. Again, follow Elliot Friedman if you already haven't. He's going to kind of break things down as they come along here, but. My Shane, question any... is, who has Anaheim on his no-trade list? Who doesn't want to go to Anaheim? Well, I mean, last year, right, July 1st, mm -hmm. he's still on Ottawa. Like, why would – that's a good question. Yeah, why? why would why, <laughs> why would Anaheim – his no-trade list if he's in Ottawa? <laughs> maybe it's so generic to the point where he's literally looking at, like, the bottom 10 teams in the NHL, and he's just like, select those. And he tells it to his agent. I don't know exactly – where Anaheim finished in the 2020. Anaheim was bad last year, but still, who doesn't want to go to Anaheim? <laughs> don't don't ask me, man. I mean, he's just claiming this. I don't know why he wouldn't want to go to Anaheim, but like, maybe that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's something oh, so generic. He wants to win some games. And he wants to stay in Vegas. I get that part yeah. of it. But why would you put Anaheim on your no trade list? That's again my question. It's not. I understand this particular situation, Vegas. It sounds like a maybe better situation, more fun, you know, you know, playoffs, all that kind of stuff, right? But yeah. just no, in I, general, I though, in a big picture, like why, why? I, I understand why why you're asking that. What I'm what yeah. I'm trying to tell you is I don't know. And maybe it's something as generic as that. Like it's literally it his be. agent just grabs the bottom ten teams. Oh, we're gonna grab Buffalo, we're gonna have this guy, the Sharks. It's such a, a great story. And uh, Kat Petray, uh, my other Barracuda writer, follow her at the Rio Kat Petray uh, on Twitter. Uh, she wrote about basically uh, a Benino when Benino was a Sharks prospect. And he found out that he had been traded by the Sharks, but he didn't know where yet. And he was still in college. And being a, you know, 20-year-old college kid, uh, no attachments necessarily, right? Not married, no kids, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So he sat down, as I guess any 20-year-old might do, and uh, he, he started to kind of muse on uh, trade destinations where he might go, and he picked it according to weather. <laughs> and naturally, he got traded too, and this is a discussion that we had in the media room afterwards, uh, to arguably the best weather city in in NHL, which is Anaheim. Yeah. Uh, I think it's up there, right? Uh, San Jose, in my opinion, is too landlocked. You know, it's uh, not close enough to the ocean. We're talking about the, the media city. Obviously, in San Jose, you can drive to Half Moon Bay, and I, I know that. But we're talking about living in the city itself, the best actual weather there. Uh, so Anaheim is up there, you know, LA probably. Arizona's too hot, Vegas is too hot, Seattle's too rainy. Uh, Vancouver is nice, but you know, if Tampa you don't Bay. really want the rain or the snow, you know, depends if you want the variety, right? Uh, so I don't know. To me, Anaheim has argument for being, you know, Florida is too muggy, right? 
uh, Tampa Bay, right? Uh, humid, all that kind of stuff, right? So my argument was Anaheim might be the best weather city in the NHL, and he got traded there. And again, I don't understand why Nabokov would put Anaheim on his list. What did Anaheim do to him? Uh, Dodonov, but no, I don't know. I don't know why he that would be on there. They have, according to HockeyProspecting.com, Byron Bader has Anaheim ranked as like the second best overall prospect ranking, as well. You're telling me you're looking at Trevor Zegras, and you're like, nah, I want to go over there. No yeah, that's way. true too, right? Because he, I would guess you. I don't think Anaheim is going to bury him. He would play. It's not, yeah, it's not a Stanley Cup kind of situation, but it's not that bad a situation either, right? Even though they have traded some pieces. Uh, but yeah, there are worse places competitively that you could go to uh, than Anaheim, like Ottawa, right? So yeah, just silly, silly, silly little Dodonov, silly little Vegas Golden Knights stuff. Fun, fun to laugh at. So, and our final question here, and it has to be Sharks related because we're we're a Sharks podcast, comes from at Zeke and Mo. And yeah, basically... I just met uh, Zeke uh, uh, last week and his uh, lovely wife. So it's so great to meet them. And uh, yeah, great to chat at uh, Sharks Hockey with them. That's awesome. That's great to hear. They've laid out basically the the next three years picks for the Ducks, the Kings, and the Sharks. Four first round picks for the Ducks. Eight second round picks for the Ducks. Three and three for the Kings. Three and two for the Sharks. They say the Kings are having a better season than San Jose. Ducks about the same. They have more high-end young players and prospects, and they go on to list a ton of them, including Byfield, Turcotte, Drysdale, and Zegras. How do the Sharks wind up better than their Southern California rivals? That's their question. Okay. Yeah. Um, And there's no timeline here, right? So, yeah, how do they wind up better than them? Because we can talk about the next two years. We can talk about the next five years, right? Uh, but just in general, this is a very general answer and uh, might be a little uh, a cop-out answer, but they just have to draft better. Uh, that's a big part of it, uh, even though their positions may not be as advantageous because, uh, well, uh, then at least the, the Kings had when they were really you know out of it or the Ducks had recently, right? Um mm. They just have to do with the, the picks they have. If it's a 14 pick, if it's a 19 pick or whatever, they've got to really hit on those. And they've got to find some late round guys too. Uh, and that's going to be the, the, the core of it. Um, if we talk about immediately in the, over the next like couple of years, uh, how the Sharks can be better than these guys. Carlson has shown, I think, this year at times – uh, that maybe he can be. Let's just talk about the California teams. Can Carlson be the best defenseman of that group, better than a Drew Doughty, uh, Cam Fowler, or whatever? Next couple of years, it's possible. It's you know we've seen some flashes here this year that maybe we weren't seeing the last couple of years. Uh, we will need Timo Meyer to keep having to dominate. He has to be first line elite all star Timo Meyer. There's no slacking for him because. Entire Sharks offense runs through him, as uh, I wrote in an article recently. So, yeah, as Meyer goes, the, you know, so go the Sharks. Um, Hurdle mm-hmm. Contour will need to stay a strong one-two punch up the, up the middle. And that's sort of going to be the, the, the core of it. And, um, yeah, you know, they, they will need to draft well. And then these guys coming up will need to be surprised us more. And I will say... I don't really have any high expectation of 
next year, Thomas, uh, Tom, not Thomas, Thomas Bordalo is going to score 20 goals. Santeri Hadega is going to be a top pairing defenseman, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Uh, I don't, you know, buy into that, you know, fan, that uh, prospect fantasy line kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, though, that for sure uh, that this group of prospects that they have incoming, be it on defense and be at up front and in goal, right? The, the names that they've drafted over the years, right? Is a way better group than a way more talented and more promising group than what they had uh, three years ago. Yeah. And I don't want to go through those names and, you know, and, and, uh, and cap on all those, all those guys. <laughs> but anyway, the, 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 the point of, of, of it all is that, um, you know, maybe they have a little bit more here and maybe someone will surprise us and, you know, kind of uh, give the Sharks, you know, that kind of, you know, maybe there is a, a Vlasic in this bunch, a guy that can come out of nowhere and, wow, you know, this guy can play top four minutes and out of nowhere kind of, right? Like real, like top, yeah. not like this team is bad and we need to give this guy top four minutes, but like legit top four minutes. Uh, maybe they can find uh, 15, 20 goals out of some forward, one of these young guys, as soon as next year. Uh, oh, Gregor, we believe in you. <laughs> uh, it could even, yeah, it could come from the the, the group of the, the, I guess the I would consider it the the 2019 group of Sharks prospects, right? The yeah. Chimileski, the not likely from that group, right? But it could be a Gregor or Leonard, right? And Chimileski is going to get another shot here too, right? Uh, I mean. Maybe Gregor or Leonard more likely. That'd be what I'd say, right? And those guys have had a chance to refine their game, so that that's sort of their uh, their saving grace. That, that these guys have a more polished game. They've been in the system more, more pro hockey experience. Uh, some of these these young guys with no pro, pro hockey experience, it's really tough to really pencil them in for any kind of NHL duty next year. Even in Eklund, who obviously has had a rough season this year in Sweden, um, but. Uh, I would say though that it would be how do I put it? Um, in 2019, if No Gregor or Sasha Chimileski or Daniel Yurtaikin or any of those guys, right, came out of uh, you know, put up a 20 goal season, right? Mm-hmm. It would be way more surprising than if somebody from this upcoming group did. You know, it's way more likely basically uh, that this group of incoming Sharks prospects can make that sort of that that dent into an angel lineup immediately because they're just more talented this this group of sharks prospects um projected obviously not um but stranger things have happened i i know the sharks are <laughs> relying on a lot of this this kind of yeah this this kind of hope right um again you know i i know zeke uh we've talked about this uh in the comment section at San Jose hockey now uh that this is not the plan that uh that you would have chosen for the sharks uh this is not the plan that i would have chosen for the sharks uh but this is the plan that they're undertaking and how are they going to be better than the not just the kings and the ducks but the rest of the nhl um it's really not really any different than what they would say themselves that Mm -hmm. their star extent their star players uh their best players there's have to be their best players. Their star players have to still be good. And you'll need to start getting some contributions from the young players to make up for the decline of your veteran players, which they really haven't received uh, over over the last uh, few years. And there is a bit more hope that they can get it with this core of prospects, this group uh, that's just been drafted, uh, that's incoming. 
and counting a couple of the guys, the holdovers that just have a more refined game now. Uh, more hope, um, not likely. Yeah, you know these are not high pedigree prospects for the most part. You know, not top ten picks. Uh, so I get all that. Um, but that's what they're kind of staking it on, though, right? What uh, what a Doug Jr. has done and the rest of the scouting staff. Uh, that's what they're kind of staking a lot of it on. So uh, again, yeah, I. I'd, uh, I want to just follow up with that just to kind of reiterate. It's I I like using Byron Bader's tools a lot. It helps kind of quantify things, NHL equivalency, um, percentage chance to become an NHLer, right? It just attaches number values to the thing. Now, none of this stuff is concrete, and obviously, you know, the data helps back the research the research is backed by the historical model that he uses going back 30 plus years uh if you looked at the sharks prospect pool three years ago it was a a, a puddle on the ground that could be splashed around and possibly dried up on a 75 degree day <laughs> if if you look at it now and I, I i like that you use the other california teams for comparison specifically because the two teams you've chosen are the number one and number two overall ranked prospect pool, prospect strength pool in Byron Bader's model here, L.A. being number one, Anaheim being number two, for the exact same reason why the Sharks have jumped up from the bottom of the NHL up to number five in overall rank. Yeah, Bader really does like the Sharks uh, pool. Um, I know that more traditional scouts aren't as high on a shark's pool, obviously, but mm -hmm. again, and you this know, isn't, this isn't really using goaltending either. We're not going to use this right. is just for skaters, fifth ranked for skaters, including the likes of Ryan Merkley, as well as, um, you know, guys like William Eklund that they just drafted. William Eklund helped launch that them up to fifth right. because of their expectation of, you know, contribution into the NHL. But yeah, so Zeke, let's say, you know, this is, you know, again, a, a hope stuff, but like, let's say the Sharks, maybe they did find something in sort of the, um, you know, what Bader likes about him, some of the, the numbers, analytics, right? I think, uh, you know, Bader is more analytics based, right? Let's say they find some kind of happy medium between Bader's number five and I think the more traditional uh, a ranking of the Sharks prospects would be 15, right? Uh, maybe it's closer to to a tennis or whatever, right? And that means that maybe one or two of those guys that the traditional guys aren't as high on, maybe they pop off a little sooner uh, than expected. And Bader's model, Bader's model did like uh, uh, Jonathan Dolan a lot more than other people, uh, more than I did. And Dolan's had not a great season, but Dolan has obviously contributed more than sort of the worst fears for him. Uh, Ryan Merkley uh, still was strong uh, for Ryan Merkley, even though Ryan did not have a very good year last year. And Ryan has shown at least some uh, some hope or some uh, some possibility that uh, that that he may live up to some of his his his, uh, his potential, his first round potential uh, mm -hmm. this year. Um, so something like that happens, you get again. It's all it's all kind of hope. Not these are not high pedigree guys, uh, but it's who the sharks have, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's really the, the only way to put it. It's, this is what they've got. This is this is yeah. There's there's not they're not you know you know uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Drysad aren't walking through through the, through the door. You know uh, Evander Kane isn't walking through the door. <laughs> so yeah, so just uh, again again to follow up, it's yes, 
every every single team is going to base their success off of their own success, if that makes any sense. In order to have success on the ice, you need to have success in the draft room. You need to have success scouting because you can continue to have pick after pick after pick in the top five and continue to fail as a franchise due to scouting issues, due to picking the wrong guy, picking bus. You always hope, right? There's always going to be hope when it comes down to evaluating your picks and hoping that your players that you're picking can turn into players that will contribute for you on the ice at a high level. You're hoping none of these guys are going to be busts. The Sharks are on that the side of the spectrum where they got to hope a lot harder because they can't fix their mistakes as easily in the offseason or in free agency because of where they've positioned themselves against the cap. So they have to be on that more extremist side of hope and, and hoping that their guys come in and contribute immediately. So that's how it is almost a perfect storm for them to be better than these teams. So that was a gigantic bag. That was a Santa Claus size mail bag. That was the Megla bag. <laughs> the trade deadline bag worthy of all other bags. But that is our last question. That sums it up for this episode. Thank you all again for your questions, for your comments, your concerns. We're going to continue to cover this team um, through the rest of this turbulent season and what I presume is going to be a uh, a fun little last quarter, I guess, here down the stretch. So high event hockey. Players right here, here they are. <laughs> yeah, high event hockey. Three Barracuda players just got recalled. So um, you wanted them. Now you're getting them. So. Shang, if you have nothing else for the folks, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I don't. I hope it's 120 here in, in Calgary. I hope there's some place that I can uh, get some food. So. And then we talked enough about Byron Bader today, just make him bring you some food or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's right. Byron is from here. I, I, I forgot yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so once again, thank you all for listening in this week. Thank you again for your questions. Let us know, did what we say help ease your reaction? What was your reaction to this deadline? Let us know in the comments on Twitter, on Reddit, wherever you find us, on uh, SanJoseHockeyNow.com. We post this episode and relevant timestamps over there. So, again, thank you all for listening in. Of course, make sure you all stay safe and stay hydrated. Mm -hmm.